Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, the executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, August 1st. Happy August. Wow, 2022 is flying by fast. I don't know about you, but I am super ready for the fall season and fall weather and football. I don't know what it is about August 1st. This is just a mindset thing. Maybe it's because I live in the South. It's definitely amplified by the fact today it was a very nice 78 degrees outside on my morning walk, even in the afternoon. Still 79 degrees, felt like fall. So it's totally the the false fall here. If you've ever seen those memes of like the breakdown of weather, uh, pretty much anywhere, yeah, a little, little false fall there. So uh, <laughs> I absolutely love the fall weather. I don't know about you, but it's totally a mindset switch. August 1st, I'm switching over to fall thoughts. I'm done with summer. I'm tired of the heat. Um, may not be alone in that. I'm sure there are others out there who would love her summer to go on and on and on, but that is just not me. So we've got a fun episode today. Joining me on the show later is Laura Fernandez, VP, Head of Industry Travel and Tourism at SXM Media. Laura and I will discuss travel's return and how big cities and big entertainment are playing a role in the industry's recovery now. But first, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening to the podcast here, we're going to dive into what's been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And we begin with the industry's continued bounce back being on full display. As last weekend, I attended Global Travel Marketplace. It's an elite industry event that was actually celebrating its 10th anniversary. So congrats to them. Speaking with advisors and suppliers prior to and during the event, they all raved about Global Travel Marketplace, uh, sometimes called GTM. So some call it the best event ever that they've ever been to. One advisor told me it was a very life-changing event for her when she first attended a few years ago, and it led for her to rebrand her entire agency. So that's pretty cool there. Uh, Qualifying travel advisors must have a minimum of a million dollars in annual sales for GTM. So these are elite level travel advisors here. And everyone I spoke to was hungry for more and excited about the growth possibilities out there. So love to see that. Great for the travel industry. And I got to say, too, I I love seeing the creativity and a lot of the different agency names, too. I'm walking around this giant conference ballroom hall and I'm seeing all the different names of travel agencies out there. So um Love to see that too. Love to see also the diverse attendance as well. Old, young, men, women, multiple ethnicities as well. So love to see that in the industry being very well represented. I was also catching up with my friend Sharon, who is a travel advisor, was attending there. She's originally from Scotland and immigrated to the U.S. a little over 10 years ago. She brought up a good point about the vast differences that she's noted about working in the travel industry in Europe compared to the U.S. In Europe, majority of the travel agents are young and they're women. And she described her first event ever in the U.S. when she moved to California over a decade ago as quite a shock because the majority of the agents were much older women, a lot of part-timers or retirees picking up a second career. So definitely a vast difference there. You know, the travel agent advisor industry has certainly grown over the years. And even through this pandemic, too, there's been a lot of new agents coming into the industry, which is definitely needed. But it is kind of wild how different it is between today's youth here in the U.S. and their mindset of what they think the travel industry is. Like, like seriously, go ask an 18-year-old about a travel agent, and some of them may be confused of, well, what that is, if it still exists. So over in Europe, though, young people jump right into the travel industry at young ages. And, you know, I think we're on a better trajectory now, having with younger Americans join the industry than it has been in some time, possibly ever. But hospitality and tourism careers should definitely be presented as an industry to the youth much more than they already are. Just my two cents there. What say you? Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Reach out to me and let me know your thoughts on that. Or if you're curious about what Global Travel Marketplace is, I can tell you more. You can check out my report and my video up on travelpulse.com as well. In other trending news, the big one last week finally happened. Over in air travel news, JetBlue will acquire Spirits, a $3.8 billion deal. It's finally done. Or is it? 
will the government try to intervene? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that they will, but, you know, they can be unpredictable at times. So I think the real big question, though, is uh, and that's a lot of a lot of customers' minds out there. If you've ever flown on either one of those is what is this going to mean for prices? What is it? Will it continue to be low fares? Will that really be the case? Um, maybe he was a bit bitter in this, but the front on, Frontier Airlines CEO, Barry Biffle, came out and said that uh, he expects to see a rise, not a decrease in ticket prices. You know, he obviously, Frontier, they lost out on the merger and now they're Spirits and JetBlue together. So he said, quote, if you're a Spirit customer, you will see the biggest inflation you have ever seen. You're going to see fares jump up over 40%. It's going to be hundreds of dollars per family. And so that's why I think it's a challenge for their customers. There are going to be millions of people that get priced out. And that may be the case. JetBlue did jump in and try to defend itself, saying to that their customers will still be able to enjoy the benefits of JetBlue's unique combination of low fares and award-winning service. Importantly, our presence on new routes is proven to be bring down legacy fares more than the ultra low cost carriers, benefiting customers and simulating demand. So this is a win for customers, whether you fly JetBlue or another airline. Podcast at travelbulls.com. Let me know your thoughts on this finally happening and getting done. I, for one, am just glad that the merger talk is over sort of until, you know, this gets fully set and everything. Um, But not a lot is being talked about the workers, the employees, people who are with Spirit right now what's going to happen to them the whole shakeup i feel for those people i've been through company acquisitions and mergers myself in both uh, the travel industry and in the sports industry my previous job here but before here but yeah i feel for those people i hope that things end well i hope that there are a lot of positive returns on this stuff unfortunately you know there's probably going to be some some layoffs and stuff that that's just natural there's there's cuts that happen with all sorts of mergers and acquisitions that's a natural part of business and it's unfortunate but hopefully you know less this time around. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if you work for spirit or JetBlue. you know, you can reach out to me and let me know your thoughts too. I would love to hear from you as well. Moving on and continuing though, and in, in the air travel space, we've got some news uh, on seat designs. That topic came up again. And should there be required dimensions for airplane seats? The FAA announced that an advance notice of per, uh, proposed rulemaking and asking for public comment on the issue a 90-day comment period asks for feedback on possible airplane seat size standards. The announcement comes after years of advocacy calling on the FAA to regulate seat sizes on airplanes. Um, yeah, get get on this already. There should definitely be a minimum dimensions for airplane seats. It's crazy that it's not. I mean, they, I think it was 2018 that they first put this out and it just said it would take a year would be the timeline and it never happened. And then, you know, obviously the pandemic happened. It should have been it should have been settled before the pandemic, but then the pandemic happened, and surely it was pushed to the side and everything. But now we're getting back on this, and you know I'm glad it's out in discussion, and I hope a lot of people weigh in and, and share their opinions on how they feel about this, and so the the public comment requests uh, dive on in on them. But you know my take, you know people are squished, they're uncomfortable on airplanes, and when that happens, you know some people get angry. And the country has seen this play out with increased frequency over the years with a lot of naughty passengers out there. A lot of incidents occurred even before the pandemic and mask mandates and all that. That certainly amplified things. But a key issue in some of those pre-pandemic incidents was because of the tight spaces. It can definitely mess with you and to be confined into such a small space. So let's get, let's get some bigger seats out there. That's I'm for that. I know a lot of people are as well. So, so get with it, FAA. You know, this will be better for all passengers on planes, especially when it comes to a need to evacuate or passenger health and safety. You know, we don't all need to be on top of each other just for you to cram as many seats as you can in so you can make all the dollars. So um, I'm all for that. And let, let's get some better airplane seats up in there for 
regular common people and just, you know, you can even elevate the first class experience in that regard too. So if uh, I digress. So speaking of size on player and planes though, and the FAA, they also proposed that a new, all new commercial air, airplanes be outfitted with a second barrier to the flight deck as an extra security measure to prevent intrusion into the cockpit. So another great move here in the name of safety. I absolutely love this. I would love to see fewer headlines out there of man storms into cockpit and all tries to break down a cockpit door and all that stuff. We don't need that. Set up a barrier, increase the safety. You're going to make pilots feel a lot better too. They're going to be able to talk about that too. And hopefully we get an increased wave of pilots out there as well. So that wraps up on the Aeris Alliance sector. We're going to jump over to cruising to close out what has been trending in the world of travel in the last week. And some big cruise lines out there made some adjustments on their COVID protocols. Royal Caribbean Group announced it would no longer require vaccinated passengers to take a coronavirus test before boarding voyages of six nights or less. The decision will go into effect on August 8th. Unvaccinated travelers and anyone boarding a ship for a voyage of six nights or longer will be required to take an approved coronavirus test within three days of their departure date. And starting on August 4th, Carnival will no longer require pre-cruise testing for fully vaccinated guests booked on sailings with itineraries of five nights or less. The cruise line also revealed that pre-cruise testing for itineraries of six nights or longer could be conducted three days before departure. Carnival also said that there will be no in-terminal testing for unvaccinated guests on the day of departure. And we also just this morning had MSC cruises come out and say they are updating their protocols as of August 8th and pending approval by the destinations that are impacted. Unvaccinated cruisers from two years of age or older must provide a proof of a negative COVID-19 test taken within three days of embarkation, ideally with one day of ideally within one day of embarkation, says MSC. Fully vaccinated guests taking cruises longer than six days must also adhere to those same rules, while vaccinated guests taking shorter cruises at five nights or less no longer have to test prior to embarkation, though the cruise line still recommends it. So, you know, we're getting a little closer and closer to the pre-pandemic rules here for cruising. Certainly interesting that they're fixated on you know, five versus six days. Where did they come up with that? How long was that process? Like what, what's going on there? It's uh, how long will that remain in place? Certainly, you know, we'll have to wait and see mode sort of thing, but you know, less protocols is going to equal more people booking and more people wanting to go on the cruises that have been holding out because of the rules. And that's certainly good for the industry, but it's also a bit of a catch 22. You might see a little more COVID cases on board. You might see that out there. It's that's certainly natural. It says, as we Talked on the show last week. If you listen to last week's show, it had Andrew Zimmern on the show, and that was kind of the sentiment too. You, you're going to run that risk, you know. You might see it more on there, but we also just are at a place where we're going to live, learn to live with COVID. So that's where we're at, and the cruise industry is moving forward and dropping some rules, which is going to ultimately lead to more bookings and more people cruising and more people sailing and more people on board, which is going to be higher capacities. But it's, it's a it's a balance, you know. You, you got to figure it out. And it's tough for the cruise lines, but um, the six days versus the five days things is kind of jumped out to me on, on all this. And it's certainly interesting. So that wraps up what has been trending in the world of travel. Any additional thoughts, you can drop me an email podcast at travelpulse.com. So now we're going to jump over to our interview segment of the show and bring on today's guest. And now joining me on the show is Laura Fernandez, VP head of industry travel and tourism at SXM media. Welcome back to the show, Laura. How are you? And how are things at SXM uh- media? Well, it's so nice to be back on, Eric. It's always a pleasure. And I know we haven't been able to connect until now this year. So it's um, everything has been really solid. I've um, 
been back on the road a lot more this year. So I will, I will say I'm personally experiencing the business travel comeback. I was at a couple different U.S. Travel Association conferences, just got back from Puerto Rico. I think one of the most interesting things so far that I've done this year is I've got, I was able to attend Cannes this year. So Cannes has the film festival, which I'm sure you're familiar with in France. And then um, a couple weeks later, they have the advertising, um, advertising festival. And so I was able to attend SXM Media, which is, the combined ad sales org for the brands that you probably know and love, it's SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher Podcast that has Conan O'Brien, um, Oprah Show. And then we have a ton of other third um, partnerships like with NBC Universal and SoundCloud. But I digress. But at Cannes, we had a nice activation there and everyone's together for the first time in the advertising community and everyone's traveled. Um, I guess this hadn't been since 2019. But 15,000 people came to Cannes for this. I hosted a, a panel with Marriott International, and we were just talking about the return of travel, the um, the major comeback there. And I'm st- looking around, I'm like, this is a business travel comeback, if anything. I mean, you have 15,000 people that traveled internationally for an advertising festival. I mean, you can't beat that. Uh, so that's from a travel perspective, that's by far one of the most amazing experiences that I've had this year. Wonderful. Yeah, it's always great to reconnect with people in the industry that you haven't seen that we haven't seen in so long because of the pandemic. And and anytime you can, you know, get in touch with, you know, your fellow industry peers is always nice. I had just returned from a conference to my, myself, too. So it's always good to to get back out there. Well, where was your conference? It was in Fort Lauderdale or Hollywood, Florida. It was for the global okay. travel marketplace. Yeah, it, it was a good connection and a lot of advisors and suppliers. So good meetings and, and good good chats, good networking, meeting a lot of new people too. So always nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then you can't beat, hopefully the weather in Florida was amazing. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. We, um, I was inside a lot. You know, you know how conferences go, right? Everyone listening right now has definitely been to a conference where you're like, "I see the beach. I want, I want you." I see. But, yeah. I see. Yeah. Well, that right? Jim, I was in, when I was in Puerto Rico last week. We are fortunate because U.S. Travel Association, with their summer board meeting, you can get out and experience the destination. But yeah, nice. during meetings and everything, you're looking out at through the glass and like, oh gosh, there's there's the beach. I wish I was there. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it, it was a good time. So I, I do want to, you know, get your thoughts too, because you guys have some some really nice uh, research and data points that you guys put together at um, SiriusXM and or SXM Media. Yeah. So uh, could you just tell us a little bit about some of those highlights and from the results of yes. that? Yes, at SXM Media, we have our own listener uh, survey that we do, and we do this across all verticals. It's entitled The Soundboard, and we use it to gain insights uh, for not only travel, but our other verticals like retail, healthcare, CPG. And we conducted one at the very end of April to just learn about how our listeners are traveling and what they are looking for. And one of the big things that we do ask is how does audio play into the travel experience? And what we did find is, I think this is very logical, but audio is essential to traveling. We not only does almost 90% of our audience listen to audio in some form when they're traveling. I mean, look, I mean, probably we're on a plane or if you're in a car, you can't really get in without listening to some type of audio. I'll tell you when I was in Palm Springs for another conference, I live in Las Vegas and I had to do the drive. I drove, I decided to drive and I got in my car, my audio was out. 
So I did a four hour car ride with no audio. And I will tell you, that was the most painful thing. And you you realize how much you need audio when you're traveling. It's it's essential. Yeah. Especially on on the road like that. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, it was painful. It was painful. But it's we've seen um, not only music is definitely the leader when it comes to audio and travel, but we've also seen a massive growth with people consuming podcasts while traveling, um, whether they're getting on the plane or, you know, having that experience when they're going on a road trip. So we saw a, a growth from the podcast uh, side from an audio entertainment perspective. Um, but one of the big things that we did see this this past research study is that travelers want to go bigger this year. Um, and I'm sure that you're just seeing this across the industry is that they are, they're ready to spend more. They want to travel more than they did pre pandemic. They're staying longer and they're also traveling, um, to further out destinations, there's more of an appetite for international travel, which we're seeing as, as you know, everyone is wanting to go on international trips right now. But um, another thing that we found was, you know, people continue want to not only visit their friends and family, but they also want to travel with their friends and family. So that's another big trend that we saw. And another one, um, which I spoke about in the beginning is business travel is, uh, for our audience, I think it was around 90% of our audience wants to is going to be traveling for business over the next year, um, which is really exciting. If you look at just, an, I know the industry is a comeback from a leisure perspective, but always the question mark has been, when is business going to have its full return? Absolutely. Yeah. And the industry thrives on the business side of things, you know, and that's yes. where, that's where things get done. And, and, you know, yeah. you can only do so much through zoom. I mean, we are talking through zoom right now and I do love that and everything, but you know, on the, on the business side of things, we saw over 2020 and 21 of, you know, I, I just, this past weekend at this conference that I was at, so many people were like, I'm so done with zoom and I'm so glad to see your face and like in person. And yeah, it's, it's, it's extremely vital to, to that. So a lot of, a lot of good points there and a lot of um, exciting stuff for the industry with, you know, people spending more, going bigger and speaking of yes. bigger. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that's what I was going to say is um, I, another thing. It's like, I feel um, what we've, we saw on our end is the comfortability factor went up is that we saw a spike in um, people wanting to get on an airplane. Um, we consistently across the board, we've always had actually majority of our listeners um, do choose to stay at a hotel um, versus rent a place, but that continues to spike up. And we're also seeing an increase in people being more comfortable to rent a place. It's interesting with our listeners because I think that the overall perception um, in travels that people were more comfortable just running a place, but our audience always lean towards the accommodation sector. Interesting. Yeah. You I mean, the whole rental side of the business here in the industry is just definitely taken off over the last few years for sure. And you saw a little bit, you know, of a focal point on that too with through the pandemic, but the fact that, you know, hotels are still strong out there and especially as you get into you know, the bigger cities and what are your options as far as renting oh, yes. versus staying in hotels and all that, because there is sort of a big, you know, push back into these cities and less out of nature and, and into these, you know, uh, cities that were almost, you know, I don't want to say ghost towns, but there certainly yeah. were like, you know, it was, it was sad to see some of those. Like, I mean, you look back at pictures of like New York in 2020 and you're like, there's nobody there. It's so sad. Oh, there's you know? no one there. But, you know, I've, 
I've been to New York a couple of times, um, just most recently, gosh, I guess it was around a month ago. And I will tell you, it was, it felt good. And you see the tourists coming back and um, I live in Las Vegas and I go down to the strip and all those casinos are completely packed to the brim. That's great. Yeah. Vegas is definitely thriving. I'm supposed to go there in two weeks for Virtuoso Travel Week. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll be out That's there. For coming up. Yes, indeed. So there, you know, a big shift to the, the big city, sort of the big city comeback and the revival. And that uh, what do you think it is about the big cities and the tourism resurgence there? Do you think people are like no longer concerned about crowds? Is there are we really getting in, uh, back into a shift of back to normal, so to speak, from from your recent travel experiences? What do you think there? I, I personally think it is people being more comfortable and me being more comfortable. Obviously, we've vaccines are you, you can have easy access to that point. And we have found consistently on our end, people want these new experiences and not saying there's anything there's not a decline in people not wanting to go national parks or outdoor experiences. But we personally saw a spike with our audience wanting um, restaurants to go to restaurants, um, city experiences like sightseeing, uh, wineries and breweries, um, massive growth there in our audience. Just looking from our study that we did at the end of April to comparative to the one we did um, at the end of 2021, the restaurants, sightseeing, um, concerts, they were not on anyone's priority. What was on the priority of travelers was national parks and outdoor experiences. So we're seeing that um, really shift um, this year. And you go, I mean, I mentioned Las Vegas and Las Vegas has had just such massive growth. And um, and that's really being led by the entertainment that is in the city. And looking at all the new residency shows, the new concert venue that's being built um, in partnership with Live Nation. So people are here, they're ready to go and have some city experiences, um, mainly be- being driven by restaurants and sightseeing and concerts. I love it. Yeah, the, the big city revival, and, uh, and so to speak. And I think part of that, too, could be because a lot of the outdoor areas, they got really popular, you know, in 2020 mm-hmm. and, and, and 21, too. Last summer, you look at that, too. Like, there are pictures of national parks, just like the lines being crazy. So they got really crowded. So I think it was a bit of a shift of like, okay, maybe I don't want to do this park. Like, things are, I'm like, you, like you said, it goes back to that, you know, the comfort feeling of that. Like, oh, I can go to a big city, and I'm going to feel better than how I was feeling six, 12 months ago yes. about the uh, the prospect or the idea of going into a large city with a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, airports are, 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 are packed. I was, you know, in the Atlanta airport this weekend and it was, it was thriving there. And yeah, I mean, big cities uh, love to see it. You know, it's really good for the industry. And, and you mentioned concerts too. So I'd want to get your thoughts on this because, you know, it plays into a lot of what your listeners know and, and love and everything is yes. those, those epic concert venues. There are a lot of great ones oh. in the United States and in the world. So what are some of the ones that people should put on their radar or their bucket list? You know, I am um, definitely concert venues are there's so many great ones across the, the country. And but when I also I'm a festival gal through okay. and through okay. and love music festivals. And I look at music festivals as such a driver for these destinations. I mean, you think of Coachella and what it's done for Palm Springs or in La Quinta area. I mean, Lollapalooza in Chicago just happened. And that was Lollapalooza is always one of my favorite ones to go to. Um, 
outside lands if anyone uh that's actually happening this weekend in san francisco another incredible festival and what's been so fun about these festivals it's like you think from a travel perspective you have so many thousands and thousands of people coming to this destination like chicago for Lollapalooza or san francisco for outside lands uh, philly um this is where actually I'm home, my hometown of Philadelphia has Made in America um, coming up in September. And I, I know that I have this affinity for Vegas as well, but Vegas residency shows. I mean, you have Katy Perry, you have Usher, you have so many big acts um, that are in Vegas right now. We're building a new concert venue um, in right uh, with Live Nation right now. It's it, going to be an incredible one. It opens up next year. But then from a festival standpoint, we have Life is Beautiful. Um, and iHeart Festival, um, all starting in September, as well as um, when we were young in October. It's another kind of throwback. And Austin, uh, another great city for music, whether you do want to just go to a cool little bar. Um, And they have Austin City Limits in October. Again, I'm a festival gal. I Don't get me wrong. I love to go to a city and... uh, see a concert but if i can go to a city and see 12 different acts that's my jam i totally get that i mean there's a lot more bang for your buck in that aspect of things and yeah you can bounce around and see and also see a lot of new acts that you may not have really known much about and fall in love with a new artist so i I totally get that i love that i the first festival i ever went to i was uh 15 it was music midtown in atlanta Uh, it's a little bit different than what they have now well actually music midtown uh like this morning just got canceled for this year which is unfortunate but um, yeah, that was my first, that, that was my first taste into uh, the concert realm of, of things. I went with my sister who was uh, 21 at the time I was 15 or 16 and, uh, yeah, it, it was a good time. Well, I'll uh, leave it at that. And my parents might be listening. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I, there's something that was, you know, seeing concerts and seeing live music, uh, for the first time post pandemic was so special to me and i i'm not only i'm an audio gal through and through i love my music i love my podcast but seeing and it is still special to listen to your car i mean you'll catch me just maybe driving a little longer just to hear another song but being there in person and be able to experience the artists in person and i do look at what it does for the travel industry of all the people that are coming in just to experience whether a concert that they came to, whether they came to Vegas for just to see um, um, Lady Gaga or they're coming to, um, to went to Lollapalooza. I mean, there's such a great piece of this for the travel industry. Definitely. And when you, just to touch on the concert venues, I know you, 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 you know, dived into the festivals and everything. I got to give a shout out to um, two venues that are on my list that, you know, I was planning for one during the pandemic, but then it, didn't happen. And then uh, obviously because of the pandemic and stuff was Red Rocks Amphitheater has always been on my list and also the Hollywood Bowl that I'm hoping to get out to next year. But those are those are like high up on my venues that are that I got to check off at least some point someday. And then obviously I want to go to Coachella too for festival wise. And I've heard such great things about Lollapalooza as well. I'm I'm behind on all the festival stuff. I know. Yes. (laughs) Well, I I will tell you. um, So I've been to Hollywood Bowl, but I have not been to Red Rocks. And that is also a venue that I want to go to so bad. I had actual tickets pre um, pandemic for Rufus Del Sol. And that Rufus Del Sol is my my favorite. That is 
my old time. And obviously pandemic happened and the concert didn't happen. Then I had a conference when they rescheduled it. So I had to choose my work over Rufus Del Sol and I have still yet to go to Red Rocks. One of these days though, it's going to happen, you know, manifest that in there. It's speak it into existence, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So awesome. Um, Well, speaking of music though, last time you were on the show, we did the music and travel show. And I mentioned that I have a takeoff song and I always have the same song. It's uh, Five Hours by Dioro. It's a very like, uh, it's an EDM song and it's the beat just lifts off. As soon as takeoff happens, the beat drops and it's it's just, it feels good, you know? Yep. Uh, so did you ever find, you didn't have one then, yes. but did you ever, so you found Rufus, one? I'm going to say another Rufus Soul on okay. my knees. It's one of their new songs. And I, I actually found it when, well, I, it's a new song, but there was something I was, um, in the ride share going to the airport when I was in um, France and it was raining and the song came on and it was just this whole vibe and I was really sad to leave France and then now ever since then that is now officially my takeoff song and whether I'm in the ride share get on the plane that is what I want to listen to. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, I love the, the story behind it too. I mean, it's mean it's meaningful, and now now yeah, it makes you put you in a, in, a, in a place you know when when you travel and everything. And that's the the beauty about music, and and I love it so much. Yes, so it is so calming because I I do think for for me personally, when I'm on the road so much, it does get um, everyone thinks it's so. It is. Don't get me wrong. It's so glamorous, but there's points of getting on the plane and um, just whether you're taking off for another business trip and music is such a calming force and always levels me out and gets me excited for the destination um, that I'm going to. I love it. I love it. So um, it has been quite a year of travel and we talk about this resurgence and the resurgence, you know, and the, the comeback and especially for big cities and stuff. I do want to get your thoughts on sort of travel predictions for the rest of 2022. What do you, what do you think how yeah. things are going to shape up and for, for these cities? I, I mean, no question travel is going to keep growing. I think that you're going to see leisures. The airports are going to continue to be packed. Um, people are going to be going international. Business travel is going to hopefully continue to grow going into Q4. I'm going to actually say this through a marketing lens because there's no question that the airlines are going through a lot right now. Oh, yeah. I think if I, I think we've all probably experienced our fair share of whether it's delays or cancellations. And I almost predict from an airline perspective, because they're going to need to get out there from a and market and make people feel more comfortable uh, with them and that they can people can trust that airline. Because I think that there's been a lot of trust lost. And I go, I look at their campaigns when the when pan- the pandemic first started was safety and cleaning procedures. Trust us. The plane is safe. You can feel comfortable in the plane. We are doing X, Y, Z from a health um, health and wellness, safety and cleaning procedures. And that was all their messaging was. It's almost like we have to go back to that to rebuild the trust for people. Because yeah. um, you've had flight you know, flight attendants come out and say, what's, what's my best travel tip for the summer is don't do it. And that's a, that's an issue. And you need to, I think from an airline perspective, I have 
I, I do see them having to rebuild the trust because there may be a little bit of uncertainty right now with travelers on the how if their their plane is going to be on time or if their flight's not going to get canceled. So I think there's going to be an interesting um, shift in maybe the creative and marketing message for airlines. Yeah, that'll be certainly something to to watch throughout the rest of the year and how these brands out here in the travel space really sort of market themselves and, and position them to to get the traveler to come back and, and like you said, build up that trust again, because it, it's certainly needed. And I think, you know, as they hire more people, things will get a little bit better as far as like the, the news cycle of, you know, the, the dread and the, the chaos and, and all the, you know, uh, headlines out there. With not, yes, it's, it's going to be fine. And I just do think from, I'm always, I have my marketing lens on. Oh, for sure. It's may, may need to shift their messaging versus like, Travel's amazing. Like, no, feel comfortable getting on the plane with us. Um, my big travel, uh, personal travel tips is I will book first flight in the morning. That is my go-to. And I just got global entry, which I'm Same. very excited about. I'm embarrassed that I've never had it um, up until now, but I just got it. So I am, uh, I go to London and Milan in October, and I am ready to go. Because I will tell you, when I came back from France through um, JFK and saw that line, and I didn't have global entry, single tear rolled down my face. But, you know, it was awesome because I was actually with my um, SVP, and he and I almost looked at each other. We both put our uh, earbuds in, and I was like, what podcast are you listening to? I was like, I'm not listening to podcasts, but I'm going to listen to some music and that was you saw us passing right. each other with just our phones on staying focused on getting through yeah. the, the, the yeah. craziness of lines yeah that's where uh -huh. the, the podcast and music can come in i know that people have yes. listened to, to my show with standing in in long lines before too oh, so yeah, yeah right it happens yeah. yes i should i should give it a plug yes that is where <laughs> you should listen this travel pause <laughs> absolutely yes yeah, thanks so this has been great i really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to, to jump back on the pod here and talk all things travel and music as well and uh, any sort of um closing comments you want to make anything you want to plug where, where can people learn more about the sxm media yes. brands you know i think from a, a consumer perspective you know check out uh stitcher podcast we have 300 plus original shows pandora.com from a jam out to some music and sirius xm from a satellite perspective we work with Atlas Obscura from a travel perspective. It's one of our top travel podcasts. And we just uh, rolled out one with Phil Rosenthal, The Naked Lunch. That's a new okay. brand new podcast. And um, I am like, whatever you need from a podcast or a music perspective, you can reach out to me, uh, Laura Fernandez. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. Um, of course. Thank you, Eric. Thanks again to Laura for jumping on the show today and talking all things travel. If you'd like to be on the show in the future, podcast at travelpulse.com is how you can reach out and get in touch with me. That's all the time we have for this week, folks. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.